We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into another edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview presented by Walk-On's Sports Bistro. I'm Neil McCready. That is Pete DeWeese. We're going to take a look back a little bit at Ole Miss's 59-3 win over Central Arkansas, bless their hearts, and uh, look forward to Saturday's game in uh, Pete's neck of the woods there in Atlanta. It's uh, Ole Miss at Georgia Tech, the 20th-ranked Rebels now 2-0. and They'll go play the Yellow Jackets, who are 1-1. and Georgia Tech has uh, lost to Clemson. It has defeated Western Carolina. That game at Bobby Dodd Stadium, 3-30 Eastern, 2-30 Central. Uh, on uh, ABC. If you're not making the trip to Atlanta, you can see the game on ABC since it's an ACC home game. AC, the uh, ACC TV rights are in effect, so the game will be on ABC at 2.30 Central, 3.30 Eastern. Pete, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. Glad uh, glad to be back talking ball. Yeah, glad to be back. We're going to talk some ball in just a second. I want to remind people that we're brought to you each and every week by Walk-On Sports Bistro. They put everything they've got into bringing you game day. With a taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine like po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp, plus fan favorites like juicy burgers and fresh salads, all in front of 70-plus TVs, more than 40 ice-cold beers on tap. You can visit them in Oxford or Ridgeland, and um, make sure you tell them at either one of those two locations that you um, appreciate all that they do with MPW Digital and specifically with Pete's pigskin preview don't forget if you're watching the game at home or tailgating in the grove walk-ons can take care of all of your tailgating needs this season inquire today about their family and friends bundles their tailgate platters you can order online at walkons.com or on their really cool uh, convenient walk-ons app again that's oxford or richland or anywhere else that you might be but the uh, locations, the franchises in Oxford and Ridgeland, Ridgeland are the ones that are uh, sponsoring this show. So if you're in the Jackson area or you're here in Oxford, please stop by, make uh, walk-ons a part of your stop, and tell your server or bartender or whoever that you appreciate them sponsoring the show. All right, Pete. Uh, look, you're a football coach. I'm not. Um, you probably can get a hell of a lot more out of 59-3 to 3 than I can. Um I tried. I tried really hard to stay focused. Um, I, I don't have ADD, to the best of my knowledge. Um, but my attention ran into a deficit, and um, I did end up watching probably more of Kentucky and Florida on the screen in front of me in the press box than I did the game on the field below me. And look, 
I get it. That makes me a bad journalist. It just makes me a normal person, though. That it was hard. It was hard, Pete, to stay locked in to fifty nine to three. It was difficult. Yeah, I um, I started out. I had the TV, uh, the game streaming on the television, and for whatever reason, it wasn't connecting. So I started streaming the Ole Miss game on my iPad. And at some point in the second half, mid third quarter. The iPad was still going, but my eyes were up on the wall a little bit more. <laughs> you didn't um, have eye discipline at all. That, I did not. Your no, eyes were I, in the wrong place. There was there was some film correction on Monday, and uh, <laughs> the coaches got on to me about eye about eye can uh, about eye discipline, and and my wife got on to me about communication. So it happens <laughs> to the best of us. It does. It does. That Kentucky Florida game was fun to watch, and uh, man, it, it 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 was a fun game to watch, and and. You know, I, I think they're both – and there's more to talk about Kentucky down the road, obviously, but I think they're both two good football teams, but I really don't know how good they are. I know. Um, but I, I think I think regardless uh, – you know, I, I think it is the way it is with most SEC games, right, is, is if the team doesn't beat themselves, they're always going to have a chance to win, and, and that's certainly what those two teams look like. So I'm looking forward to, to talking about those guys down the road, that's for sure, about Kentucky. Yeah, that game – it's just looming. It's, it's, just, it's big just time. sitting there. You can feel it. It's getting a little closer each day. I think we all know what's coming. And uh, barring something super weird, we're going to get two undefeated teams in Oxford on October the 1st. That, Especially in Ole Miss's case, like I think Ole Miss is good. Mm-hmm. I think Ole Miss is really good on defense, and I think it's figuring it out slowly on offense maybe you can correct me in a minute but i don't know i mean you know when you play a bad troy team and you play a a central arkansas team that just is again bless their hearts it just is what it is um i don't i don't know what you can take from it i don't know that you could take anything away from it but i but i I don't feel comfortable going oh man look at this because there's that the context of competition is right there in front of you and you can't ignore it no, that there's this weekend is going to be a big weekend, and and not that that anything about this game is going to make or break what the rest of the season looks like, um, by by any means. But but I think it is going to give you a little bit more of an indication of of where Ole Miss needs to spend their time, right? What what needs to get fixed, and and some of those kind of things. Because because you're right there, and we talked about this a little bit last week, right? I mean, there's there's things coming out of game one against Troy that maybe fans are, are are a little critical of. And we addressed some of those things on the show last week. Um, and, and I think, you know, coming out of Central Arkansas, there's still maybe some things that I think people are looking at going, I'm just not convinced yet. Um, and, and a lot of those things, quite honestly, I don't, I don't know if there's anything to be alarmed by yet for any reason, but there are certainly things where, where the, it's still looming. What does it look like against a comparable roster to some Such degree? What, what sticks out in your head? Well, there's there's a few things, and I'll um I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna share screen here for those watching okay. at home, and um and see you know go ahead and kind of hit some of those things because I wanted to take a minute and and address some things from last week and kind of talk through some of that. I mean, you know, at, at the end of the day, everybody still wants to talk quarterback play, and obviously, you know, Luke started the game and did some good things, and then Jackson comes in and and the arm looks live and there's some explosive plays. You know, I, I think the big thing in, is, is 
when I went back and, and thought about it, and I didn't go back and rewatch, but I go back and I think about the Troy game, I really think Ole Miss was simple on offense. And they didn't open up a lot against Central Arkansas, but I do think that they made the decision of, of we're, we're going to give them even more to let them truly run the offense. There was there was more read element in, in the second game than there was. And, you know, game one, it was a lot of I'm handing the ball off, maybe throwing the RPO, but as far as quarterback as a runner, they, there wasn't a lot built in there. You watch the Central Arkansas game, and not that the quarterbacks were necessarily carrying it a lot, but there were a lot of read elements built in. And so I, I think that's one thing in particular. And, and the announcers on television, for those of you that that were watching the, the Ole Miss Central Arkansas game on television, the announcers talked a lot about that. They talked about, um, you know, how Altmyer will tell you he's he's not that athletic and he did some athletic things in the game, but how he says that's not his thing. But you watch Ole Miss put him in a situation early and often where he had a chance to potentially be a runner based on on reads in the run game. And so I, I think that's part of the evaluation process with him is if we're going to let him be the guy and we're going to give him the keys, he, he needs to be able to drive, right? And and so I think running the system, because even once Dart came in, the play calling didn't change. And even when Kincaid Dent got in the game, they were still saying, okay, here it is. We're going to take the brakes off a little bit, you know, um, and, and we're not going to govern you as much. And we're going to let you read things in the run game and, and see how you handle it. So I, I think that, that from a quarterback position, there's a lot of things that you can talk about. And, oh, I like this and, and I like that. But when you're in the staff room, you're saying, okay, we put his eyes on the defensive end. He handed it off. Was it the right read? Is he going to make this decision? And if he does have to carry the ball and pull it, how effective is he? Because those are the things that Ole Miss is going to have to be able to do to survive against elite defenses. Um, and because that's that's the game that everybody in college football is having to play right now is is you, you're you going to have to use your quarterback in the run game at some point, um, especially if the downfield passing game isn't fully gelling yet. And and so I, I think that was an interesting thing that I took away from, from the Central Arkansas game was the, the commitment – to not necessarily doing too much, but really letting the quarterbacks run the show so that they could fully evaluate that part of their game. Um, you know, offensive one stand out over the other, you know, without going back and trying to pretend to break it down, I can't say because the truth is a lot of what central Arkansas gave them was handoffs where the ball ended up going uh, to the backs. And, And so they didn't necessarily have to do it, but I think their reads were right. In, in right. what I wa- just watched blind, there wasn't one time where I thought, oh, they, they just ran a little bash concept and he, he made the wrong decision. Okay. You know, so I, I do think that was positive. We saw Luke pull it um, on one zone game down and get himself into the end zone. He made the right read there. He's responsible for D gap in that scheme. D gap crashed. He took it right now, the safety scraped, and he was able to get himself in the end zone. So, you know, I, I think from what I could tell, I, I don't think there was a lot of bad decision-making there. You know, maybe to some degree, maybe they knew, hey, this defense is going to squeeze, we're going to force the give, and it's going to be a way to get our backs on the perimeter. Maybe they were hoping, hey, he's going to have to pull the ball and we're going to get to see him operate that part of the offense. And I, and I don't know what that game-planning process looked like, um, but it they, they definitely – in my opinion, did more to evaluate the quarterbacks in that part of the offense. Okay. Um, 
you know, from an offensive line standpoint, the run game continues to be to be strong. And it's like we, we've talked about before. Run game is ultimately about numbers. Uh, there was more variety in the run game last week. And, you know, some of that comes back to I think they, they felt more confident about what they were going to get from Central Arkansas. That was one of the things we talked about with Troy is, is it's, it's, it's a new staff entirely. And you're saying, hey, are they going to be Kentucky? Or are they going to be the Army defense where the defensive coordinator came from? And so some of the simplicity in the run game in particular against Troy might have been built on we don't know what looks we're going to get, so we're going to go with the, the what we think is the most sound, what we do best, where with Central Arkansas, it's, you feel better about this is where the pieces of the puzzle are going to be. Here's how we feel good about attacking it. So, and And that's always part of the game planning process. So I don't know how much that played in, in – in what they did in the run game, but I do think the offensive line handled it fairly well. I mean, you know, right now I think the running backs in, in that game averaged six yards an attempt, just over six yards an attempt um, in, in the run game, and that's 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 good football, you know. And some of those were plays that the offensive line, you know, or, the, or that the running back turned a five-yard gain into a 15, 20-yard gain, and obviously that helps your numbers. But, you know, those numbers are always skewed, too. When you look at, you know, I think I'm looking at the stats. Ole Miss had 37 attempts for 233 yards, um, and and that's counting, you know, a, a one loss of 10. But you, you look at red zone runs and goal line runs where it may have been perfectly executed and balls on the one-yard line, it, it hurts your average, right? So, you, you know, you have to take that number with, with to a certain degree, a, a grain of salt. But but that's still that's effective. I mean, you're you're again over six yards a clip in the run game. It doesn't matter who you're playing; you're doing something well, especially when you're later in the game and you are a little bit more run focused and you've got young guys in. And so I don't know how many of those thirty-seven attempts came late in the game where you're starting to sub a lot of people, but it was a decent number. So again, if I can manage short yardage runs, red zone runs, and I can manage late game young guys in the game and still average over six yards of carry, I think you have to feel good about where you are. Okay. Um, you know, from a pass pro standpoint, um, you know, by my count, um, there was one sack that Ole Miss gave up in the game and it was on a tight end. When when you watch it, um, you know, 81 gets matched up on a defensive end or outside linebacker and the kid – the kid makes a good outside move, kind of crushes the pocket a little bit and is able to finish the sack. And so, you know, statistically, you know, one sack, it's not a bad game against UCA. You prefer there be zero, but if you're going to give one up, you don't want it to be on your starting five. So the fact that it's on a tight end or on a running back, you know, um, you, you feel, I would think a little bit better about it. Um, you know, there were probably some times in pass protection where they wish the O-line would have given them a little bit more, and that's going to continue to to be the piece. Ole Miss puts guys on an island a good bit in pass protection, and, and that can always be a little bit of a struggle. And so I, I think they'll continue to grow there. Um, can I ask you a question real quick? Yeah. I've had a had a mailbag question a couple of times, and it's, it's valid, I think. And I, I've noticed it in the pro game. I've noticed it in the college game. This is not an Ole Miss-specific question, so I won't spend a whole lot of time on it. But I'm curious because you watch a lot of football. You're around football. People are noticing, and and I think I'm noticing this too, more and more offensive lines are really struggling with 
what they're seeing from defenses. Is that a product? If 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 it's even real, if it's wrong, just go no, Neil, you're an idiot, and so is everybody else. <laughs> but if it's real, is this a product of of more athletes on the defensive side of the ball? Is it schematic? Is it is it fewer offensive linemen? What what's going on to make like you really saw it in the NFL in Week One, and I was kind of shocked, like how many. NFL offensive lines just couldn't protect the quarterback. I, I I think that, you know, the big trend right now in defensive football is is what defense coordinators refer to as sims or simulated pressures, okay, where they're going to show you five, six rushers at around the line of scrimmage. They're showing you a kind of exotic, here it comes, and when the ball snap, the picture change, and it's only four rushers. But a lot of times those four rushers, um, you know, they manipulate your protection calls, they force you into slides, and they get you sliding to a guy that suddenly bails out and is in coverage. And so it's, it, it's you know, in layman terms, zone blitz became popular for a long time, and everybody talked about, oh, zone blitzes, and guys are dropping defensive ends, and that's not necessarily what's going on. There's some There's some similarity. There's some relation there. Um, but these simulated pressures now, when you look at, at high-level football, what you're seeing is a lot more um, diversity in the fronts that teams are running, which allows you diversity in your pressure package. And when you start these simulated pressures where all of a sudden you might have six guys standing at the line of scrimmage, ball snap, there's only three. If your protection cues are wrong, you turn the wrong guy loose. And and with some of these simulated pressures, the the defense is reading things much like the offense would. So, for instance, if you look up in a game and there are two linebackers walked up in a gap and they're on either side of the center and they are showing blitz, a lot of times what's happening in modern football is they're both reading that center. If the center steps to me, I'm going to step at him punch and drop and look for any type of hot route. And if the center steps away from me, I'm going full speed through a gap. Okay. So, so if, if you're a guard that has a three technique and the tag and on his outside shoulder and the tackle has a five technique on his outside shoulder, and now there's somebody in a gap, it's the center's got to make a call. Either he's got to hope a back can come pick up an a gap blitzer, which is extremely difficult to do from an angle standpoint, from a leverage standpoint, from a physicality standpoint, because those inside baggers are typically bigger, or the center has to call for a slide. Well, if the center says, okay, hey, guys, I'm sliding left, and I'm going to bring the whole left side with me, everybody slides down. Now one of those linebackers pops out, the center standing there blocking nobody, and you just put your running back now on a defensive end on the edge, which defensively is a matchup a lot of times you're going to take. So it, it's a constant game, and, and and that's just a very basic simulated pressure where where defenses are doing certain things like that. Um, but I, I so think the bottom line is it's an evolution in the game. It's, it, it's, it is it is an evolution in the game. Okay. You know, you go watch. Um, you know, former Ole Miss coach and coordinator Jim Knowles, um, who is is now at Ohio State and most recently was at Oklahoma State. If you go watch those guys play, they're there's some similarity in, in what Ole Miss does and what he does on the defensive side of the ball. He plays the same 3-2. Two. 
but that guy finds ways to get kids in space and get kids attacking. It's really impressive what he has the ability to carry into a game and get his kids to execute. Um, And I I do think to that point, you know, we saw a little bit of that from Ole Miss last year. I don't think we've we've really seen what Ole Miss is going to be defensively yet. They haven't had to be. They showed a little bit more against Central Arkansas. And again, I think some of that is they weren't really sure with Troy what they were going to get. Now they're getting into game planning where there's film, and I think you're going to start to see more evolution. Um, but I, I do. I, I think, you know, to your point, I think that, that that's part of the deal when you're watching Ole Miss impasse protection is, is um, you know, it, it, it is a, it's one of the more difficult things to do. You know, I, I, I've had this talk with guys before. Is I, I do think playing defensive back and being a man-to-man player in defense in defense is is very difficult I, I but my argument there is if a coach is asking you to do that to, to play man-to-man coverage it's because he thinks you're talented and have the skill set to do it right it doesn't matter if they think an offensive lineman is talented or skill set he's the best they got and he has no choice but to pass pro you have a choice as a defensive coordinator whether or not you put your corners on an island and ask him to play man-to-man sure, right sure. yeah as a baseball player you the there's no way you step into the box and not have to face a fastball at some point. You know, as an offensive lineman, there's no way you put your hand in the dirt and have to face a pass rush. Like, it's going to happen. Um, so, in my opinion, outside of, of hitting a major league pitcher, maybe being, uh, you know, a, a, a keeper when the ball's, you know, when there's a PK on the line or in a high-level soccer or maybe a goalie in hockey, because that, that's still like that's matrix level stuff to me. Yeah, those cats are crazy. <laughs> they right. Yeah. Um, but but I think offensive line play, and in particular offensive line play in pass pro. There's a reason guys like Larry Mutunsel get paid or got paid a ton of money coming out of college because the kid at 19 years old had the skill set, right? And they don't make many of those. No. And you can be a high level football player, and that does not mean you're great in pass pro. Um, and, and that's, that, that's a very real thing. You know, the, the flip side of that, and I'm talking about Georgia Tech, my left tackle right now is committed to Georgia Tech. Um, and he is committed to Georgia Tech. He's a good player. He is good in the run game. He is committed to Georgia Tech and has offers because of his ability and pass protection, because of his athleticism, his length and his understanding of, of technique and fundamentals. He spent the offseason working with Willie Anderson, who's about to go into the NFL Hall of Fame. And Willie's approach to pass pro is is phenomenal. It's a it's a way that a lot of people teach. And and so because this kid was able to harness that skill set, bring the things that we were teaching with the things that Willie's teaching, and go into camp and face elite players with no helmet on, no shoulder pads, and do pass pro drills and show a clear understanding of leverage and technique, immediately people like Georgia Tech said, Hey, we're, we're, let's have a conversation. Yeah. You know, because that is such a hard skill set to find. Yeah, it's clearly good for him. Congratulations. That there thank you. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a great kid. I'm I'm excited. We we maybe talked a little bit of trash this week, but um <laughs> you know, it, it's you, you go ahead, go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say like, you know, to to that point um and and, and kind of talking about that. There was a discussion on the board earlier this week where people were talking about O-line and and Siski went in and typed out some great things. It actually, I think it started talking about quarterback. And then he referenced 
quarterbacks, offensive line being hard to develop. And I jumped in and just said, hey, everything Tyler just said is accurate. Like, listen to what he said. I think it's gold. And and I, you know, I said offensive line position and quarterback are the two hardest to judge, in my opinion. And and a lot of it with offensive line play is is unless you're playing in an elite program against other big time high school programs, it's easy to identify, hey, that kid's six eight, three thirty. But if everybody's going against a six foot two fifty, how much can you really evaluate? Right. Which is part of why camp season I think is so important for offensive line. But but evaluating a, pa- a kid in pass protection is is extremely difficult, and it, and it is a hard thing to do, Neil. And so I know I've kind of jumped on the soapbox there to talk about that. No, I truly think that pass pro is one of the most difficult things to do, and there's a reason elite offensive linemen get paid high dollars to do it. it. It's why I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about it because I I didn't I didn't know I just I just kept getting that question, and it made me start kind of watching it, and I'm like, you know, I was watching Bengals Steelers the other day. The Bengals spent the off season. Re- refurbishing their offensive line and Joe Burrow got sacked seven times. And and, and it's, it's because Watt's a freak of nature. And, well, yes. And and some of that is just it was very it was clear that they had not played together a lot. They had not had a preseason game with Burrow under center. And it's hard. Well it, it <laughs> is and, and the way that defenses are played now the Steelers are going to do everything they can to get Watt in a one on one pass rush situation and if you're going to wholesale hey we're going to slide to him we're going to set protection to him they know that means that you've now given them numbers on the other side and they have an answer for it and so just like we've talked about in the run game or anything else play in that numbers game and saying hey if they're going to commit to stopping him then we know what we have on the other side um and it's just it's that continual chess match just like it is everywhere else on the field so yeah, he came um, off, he came off the field in the fourth quarter and looked right at the trainer and said, "I tore my pec." And I thought, if if I tore my pec, I would be laying on the ground, screaming in pain, begging for someone to come shoot me. Yeah, those he, th- those guys are different. He walked off the field, looked at the trainer, and said, "I tore my pec." Yeah, those they're different, dude. They they are they are different in in a million different ways. So you've got wide receiver separation here. I interrupted your flow. And no, it, I, it's another problem, I think, for Ole Miss. I, One thing I did notice in the Central Arkansas game is they were unable to really get a ton of it. it you know, they completed more balls down the field, but if you go look at it, it, it wasn't because they'd run past people. It, it wasn't because they'd created a ton of separation. You go back to the first play in in, in the game and, and – Altmaier makes a good decision and he he puts the ball up. He gets a one-on-one to a matchup he likes and the ball's underthrown and, and Mingo makes a, a phenomenal catch. Yeah. Um, but he hadn't fully separated. Now I do think had the ball been out in front, he, he was going to maybe gain a stride, but you go later to the one-handed catch on, on the post across the middle. It, it's not like there was a ton of separation there. Um, you know, the the DB was actually on his upfield shoulder and was in decent position. He just made a heck of a play on the ball. Um, so I, that that's one thing I, I think you look at is, is – and teams are playing to keep Ole Miss in front of them in a lot of ways. They're trying to eliminate the big play, especially with Troy. But I, I do think that that's, that's one thing to kind of – to maybe look at if you're a fan is, is – when when Ole Miss gets one on one matchups and they can get a guy isolated on the safety or on the corner, is how many guys do they have that can really get away and create separation? 
because that is one thing that that Kiffin has had since he's been at Ole Miss has been somebody with the ability to separate. Um, you know, we we know there's some speed on the field, um, but right now I don't know how much we've seen that exposed secondaries, and I, I whether that is part of the game plans being basic. Um, or or that's a talent thing. I, I don't have the answer right now, but I do think that this weekend will be pretty telling um, when, when it comes to that. One thing I did want to talk about, I kind of last week, I, I kind of did an anatomy of a play, and we talked about Dart's interception against Troy. So I wanted to talk about the wall screen that Ole Miss likes to use so much on short yardage in the red zone. This is a play that that in two years and two games now you've seen Ole Miss call I mean, literally, they've probably called it 30 times. I mean, there have been, you know, it went for three touchdowns the other night, uh, last weekend. And then there were games last year where we saw it called four or five times. You go back to the Auburn game last year, um, and and there's probably a couple times they called it where they wish they would have gone to something else. Um, but it's a scheme that Ole Miss really likes. And so I thought I would kind of take a minute and and break down what's happening um, when Ole Miss runs this screen. So I've, I've got for those that are watching at home, I've, I've got some images, and for those listening, we'll do our best to describe it. But when we talk about these wall screens, Ole Miss is presenting a run action, okay? They are going to block an inside zone or a mid-zone scheme one direction, and then they're going to bring the tight end behind the line in the screen. What they teach the outside receiver is if it's zone coverage, he is going to go block the most dangerous man, which a lot of times is going to be the guy that's lined up directly over him. In a man-to-man situation, that wide receiver is going to essentially run a slant, but his entire goal is to go pick and block the first defender inside or the defender that is trailing the tight end that you're trying to throw the ball to. Okay, So on Trigg's first touchdown, you get – um, Trigg is lined up to the left. He's in the backfield. He's that sniffer set, that, that modern-day fullback. The tailback is on the right side of the quarterback, and they are going to show an inside zone look to the offense's left. The tailback is going to get into the mesh, and he is going to do everything he can to sell it. Now, there are teams that will read it where the quarterback is reading the defensive end or the C-gap defender, and if that guy's upfield, he's going to hand it off. I think Ole Miss calls it. I, I, I don't. I don't think it's a read for them. Um, but what they're going to do is to the right. They have one receiver lined up to the right of the formation, two receivers to the left of the formation. The two guys to the left, most often, they're just going to simulate a bubble screen. So the outside receiver is going to go block most dangerous. The inside receiver is going to run a bubble, and they are probably there just in case somehow they forget to be covered. Otherwise. It's don't waste a ton of energy. Be ready to play the next play. The receiver that is away from the run action. So Ole Miss is faking the run to the left. So the receiver that's on the right, he is going to set up his defender. And then he is going to push inside for the first defender that looks like he is trying to trail or run with the tight end as the tight end slips behind the line of scrimmage. So it's Malik Heath at the top of the screen. Uh, it's Jalen Robinson in the slot. It's uh, Bingo, at the, Bingo at the bottom. Uh, Michael Triggs lined up as the sniffer tight end, as you mentioned. And uh, Zach Evans is to the right of, in this case, Luke Altmeyer. So 
one of the things that Ole Miss and, and when they like to call this, they like it on third and short. They like it on fourth and short. They like it in the red zone because those are downs where you're going to get typically aggressive defenses and you're going to get some type of man-to-man coverage. So knowing that, it helps set them set them up, okay? So as Mingo, or excuse me, as um, uh, who did we say was at the top? Was uh, Malik Keith. Malik. As, Heath, yep. as Heath shows the slant and works inside, either the linebacker or most likely the safety is going to react to Trigg's path, okay? It's one of those defenders, and it's probably that safety, is actually reading Trigg. And as Trigg comes behind the line of scrimmage back to the right of the offense, he's going to stay at or behind the line of scrimmage, and Heath is going to go set a crack block on whichever defender reacts to that motion by Trigg. So as the quarterback gets into the mesh to show run, he's going to get a little bit of depth coming out of it, almost like a bootleg, but he's going to work lateral, and he is going to try to slip that ball in the flat to Trigg with enough time for him to turn and get himself up the sidelines. As far as Trigg's concerned, there's a little bit of nuance. Some teams will take him and jab step opposite before coming back across. Some teams will teach him that whatever comes off the edge, run to the upfield shoulder so that he has to go underneath you and then evade him to the flat. And other teams will tell you that if he gets upfield, go right behind him and get your head around right now. People have their own way of kind of teaching the same thing. But this is the play that Ole Miss used for the first touchdown. It was Altmaier to Trigg. It was an easy throw and catch. It's technically a screen pass. And he was able to turn and get himself into the end zone. Fast forward just a little bit. Ole Miss runs the same thing, but they paint the picture a little bit differently. Okay. Now, instead of having Trigg in the backfield like a fullback, they've got him at a tight end position. So to the right, I think it again, I think it's Malik Heath. This time you have a receiver in the slot. So you have two receivers to the right side of the formation. Okay. On the left side, you have Trigg as a tight end with his hand in the ground. And then you have Mingo out wide as the only true expanded receiver Mingo off the ball. Mingo off the ball. Exactly. You got Jalen Robinson off the ball in the slot and you've got, uh, uh, you got me, me go off the ball. Yep. Malik Heath on the ball as the wide out to the right side. Yep. Now, one thing that you will notice if, if, if you go back, if you look at the first touchdown, the ball's on the right hash, they throw it into the boundary, into the short side of the field on the right. Look at the second clip. Ball is left middle. It's close to the left hash. The ball again is going to go into the boundary, into the short side of the field. Part of the reason you do that is because you typically expect there to be an extra hat to the field. So by working into the short side of the field, it's less likely that you get overhang and get extra defenders. Now, on this particular play, Central Arkansas actually has overloaded the tight end side and overloaded the boundary. In theory, they have numbers. But they probably, and and if you're looking at the picture, you see that the linebacker They have one guy, linebacker, that's essentially head up on the tight end and one linebacker that is outside, and they're both a couple of yards off the ball. That is most likely because one or both of those guys are going to be involved in some type of a pressure. Okay, I would anticipate one guy in the pressure, one guy man-to-man. That evens the math out for Ole Miss. If both of those guys were to be in coverage, you get into a little bit of a sticky situation 
And now that is when potentially you have to throw the bubble to the other side of the field. But again, balls on the three-yard line. It is a pressure situation. It's a man-to-man situation. So now instead of putting Trigg in the backfield on the right and bringing him across to the left, they've got him at tight end to the left. He is going to step down and collision the end, and that that movement is going to simulate the same time it would have taken him to come across the formation had he been lined up in the backfield. Mingo is going to execute the same technique that Heath did on the previous touchdown. He's going to attack the leverage of the corner. His eyes are going to be inside. He's going to figure out who is man-to-man on the tight end, and then he is going to go build the wall and set the screen for, for the tight end. Now, on this play, if you if you watched it, if you were there live, this is the one where Trigg is open early and Altmaier makes the decision to hold on to it a little bit, kind of has to wrestle himself away and then finds Trigg in the end zone. And the truth is it should have been called back. I'm pretty sure the officials got dinged because one of the offensive linemen was standing in the middle of the E in the end zone uh, when, the, when the ball was thrown, yeah. um, which, is, which is typically a penalty. So um, how is how is this not a pick play where it said pass inter- offensive pass interference? So the biggest thing about it is the fact that it's a screen. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Because it's a screen, you can be blocking downfield. Okay, gotcha. If he's past the line of scrimmage. Central Arkansas tried the same screen at some point during the game and got called for a penalty, and their coach lost it because 
they'd been killed by it three times already. <laughs> yeah. Right. But if you go back and watch that play, the officials basically deemed that one, arguably maybe blocking before the ball was in the air, but two, he was probably past the line of scrimmage. As long as you're, you, you know, as long as your route is sub the line of scrimmage or flat down that line, you're typically not going to get that called. And again, you know, typically it doesn't matter if your linemen are downfield, but because Altmaier had to hold on to the ball a little bit, at that point, the ball yeah. ended up being caught be, down, yeah, down right, field. right. Okay, I got it. So, so in theory, it's what almost the timing is it's a timing play from a legality. It, it, it from purely yes. Okay. So, as they pressure off the edge to the left side, Ole Miss is going to fake run to the right with Evans. Altmaier is going to show he's going to come out somewhat lateral because as a right-handed quarterback, you come out almost think of it as a second baseman that's filled at a ground ball and is turning to make a throw to first, he's going to come out of the mesh point with the running back, and he's almost going to side straddle to his left and almost throw a little bit of a sidearm flick out into the flat. But because he's got a guy in his face, he has to stop, retreat, and now the the the, the throw changes. Instead of being the sidearm throw, now you have to try to get big and elevate the arm and drop the ball in with a little bit of touch. So it changes the arm mechanics because of the pressure here, and it, and it affects the footwork. And it was an athletic play by Altmaier to get it off because of the nuance of here's my footwork, oh, crap, everything about my body mechanic just had to change. So as Central Arkansas comes off with the edge blitz, Luke starts to get lateral, builds a little bit depth, and I think even like steps inside. But Trigg is open, and as he realizes there's there's pressure and the ball wasn't thrown, he's able to drift into the end zone. You don't want, if you're Ole Miss, you don't want that to happen. You, you heads up both of the kids. You pat them on the back because they, they adjusted. They made it happen under pressure. Um, but, but it is a timing thing, and you do want the timing to be better. Now, I do think that the way that Ole Miss ran it for the third time they used it in the game to score a touchdown was an interesting variation. Okay, So this time they lined up, again, Trigg in the backfield like a sniffer. You have Malik Heath, I believe, to the right by himself. He's the only receiver. Yep. You have a wide receiver down at the uh, to the left. You have Dayton Wade down at the bottom, and you have Jordan Watkins appearing to go in motion from the left to the right. I'm glad you've got these numbers memorized because I'm not there yet. We're still early in the season. <laughs> so you do. You, you, have, you have Watkins coming in motion, and he is going to fake the jet sweep. Okay. As he is faking the jet sweep, you can see if you're looking that the linebacker that was man-to-man on him is communicating to pass that coverage off yep. to the other side. Yep, I see it. And mm-hmm. that now means that he is probably going to have to sink and drop back inside some. That shows Dayton Wade, the receiver at the bottom of the screen, who he's probably going to end up blocking. Because as the motion goes and you get all the defense's eyes, all the coverage guys now having to communicate and adjust who they're responsible for in this man-to-man coverage, as he adjusts, the outside receiver now knows I'm going to push and that's going to be who comes back my direction. Okay, Because he's passing it off, which indicates, hey, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay or I'm going to rock back so that I can catch anything that, that that comes back my direction. Gotcha. So as they, they show the jet sweep, again, eye candy, eye discipline, all the things that we like to joke about. They're going to fake the run to the right here, 
And now as Trig comes back across, had they taken number 11 and lined him up to the right, it is the exact same play as the first one I showed you, where they would have run the bubble, he would have blocked, there's our crack, and here's our wall screen. All they've done is added this motion without changing anybody else's job or rules. Is this to put this on film? It it it, it doesn't hurt to put it on film. They probably, we know they have three ways of doing it. It wouldn't shock me if they have five or six. Okay. And maybe they've got ten, and they carry three every week, right? Okay. They've become very reliant on this play. So the thing that I've wondered last year at times is – they rely on this play so much they're they have to start building in things to truly protect it. So as you get this on film and you show teams, Hey, they still love that wall screen. At some point you would think that, that Kiffin and Weiss are sitting there holding the, an ace saying, we're going to show it to you, but we we've got answers for it. Okay. Right? We, we have some things to, to do off of it. So because defensive you know, coordinators are looking at this during the week and thinking, okay, here's how I could attack this in a way that they wouldn't expect it. When, when they work red zone every week, when you prepare for Ole Miss and you work red zone, there is not a doubt in my mind that you script this play five times. Okay. Your kids are going to see it 10 times throughout the course of the week, probably Okay. some form or fashion of it. And you are going to make sure that you have a plan. You know, the problem is right. You say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make them go block our safety but we're going to let this outside linebacker peel off and cover him. Well, that sounds good, but what did you just do? You just removed a player from the run game. So now if and when they do hand it off, you've lost the math, right? So it, it can be a difficult play to defend for sure. And again, part of it is this isn't a first and 10 call with the ball in the middle of the field. This is a, they're going to be a man-to-man, they're ringing pressure. We're going to catch him. I'm sorry so, for interrupting you over and over. I just, yeah. I just find the chess match part of this absolutely fascinating. It's the part where people go, what would you like to do? I would love to be able to spend a week sort of in a game plan, completely everything completely off the record until after the game is over, and watch this develop and then see how another – in an ideal world, there were two of you, and you could both – you could be in both camps. Both, Yes and sort of see how they prepared for this stuff and then come back later and go, here's what Georgia Tech was thinking. Here's what Georgia Tech expected. Here's what they got. Here's what Ole Miss was doing. It would be, that would be so cool. It's never going to happen. If you get somebody to let you do that, schedule it on my bye week, and I'll take some days off, and, and I'll, I'll be your counterpart on that. because It would be so cool. It, it would be great. And, and I'll say this, um, you know, I, I know – hopefully I'm not crossing any lines here, but one guy that, that I know certain Ole Miss fans feel a certain way about is Stephen Godfrey. And it, one thing Godfrey has done in the past is he has done some embedded with football staffs. Um, and if you go back and look at those articles, there's some really interesting stuff there that you get about how coaches operate throughout the course of a week. Yeah, because this, this stuff is – it's wild. It's the stuff that you just – when you're at the stadium – whether you're sitting in section C or in the press box, you just don't get it. And there's no way you can. It's not a criticism, but anyway, it, it, no, but I, chess, you know, the chess match is really cool. And no, how and, all and this stuff at the kids, right? Without yeah. overwhelming them because yep. if you get them thinking too much, you take away their athleticism. And that's the reason they're there. That's, and that's part of the reason Ole Miss has success with a play like this 
because they've literally run the exact same play three different ways now. But everybody's job has stayed the same. So you find a way to window dress it for the defense, keep it simple for your own guys. And that's, you know, game day did a thing last week and they talked about, and Kiffin was featured and and Bill O'Brien and all the different guys that have gone and worked for Saban. Yeah. Right. And there's a great picture at some point in the video where it may have been Mike Loxley at Maryland now. I don't remember who it was, but talking about, you know, you're humbled when you get there and you're not seated at the main table. You're you're in the outfield. You're in the outfield. Or, or whatever they call yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's all those guys around the staff room. And you think about all those people. Now, some of those people are in there and their just job is just recruiting or their job is just marketing or their job is just PR or they're the equipment guy or they're the trainer. And, you know, um, but a lot of those guys in there, this, this is what they do. It's their job that, you know, they're at Tulsa watching Ole Miss now. And Sunday when the staff rolls in to start preparing for Ole Miss, there's somebody at Tulsa that goes, okay, here. And they open up the book that they've created, right? And and that's why you see these colleges making such a commitment financially and otherwise to, to analysts in the yeah. program. And that's why if you can get good young ones and keep them, you know, that there's a reason. And, and it's because when when they bring you a book that's already been read and the cliff notes are provided and you start your week like that, as opposed to starting it from scratch. That, that is how study. the game has changed. Yeah. Loxley talking about having to take the kids to the to, to, the, to the slide. <laughs> yeah, that would be humbling. That that I, I um uh, and I've I've heard some some good stories about, you know, in the middle of staff meetings, um certain coaches of national prominence that used to be in Baton Rouge and are now a state, another state adjacent to Mississippi. Uh, looking at a young staffer one time in the staff room, tossing him his car keys and say, please go wash my car. And then just continue in the meeting again, oh, wow. you know? Yeah. So um, th- there's a lot that, that when you're in the outfield, there's no telling what, you know, what you end up dealing with. Um, but, but those guys are so crucial because those are the guys that are going to put this on the board on Sunday when the staff walks in for the first time and say, here's the problems. Here are the things we got to have answers for. Um not going to lie, if anybody out there watching this and that's what you want to pay me to do, I will gladly, gladly. That That is the part. It's the part of football that I love the most. You know, it, it's 6.30 this morning when I'm alone in the field house sitting at my desk um, trying to find a way for us to score more points. And I'm looking at things going, okay, how are they going to respond to this route stem? Like, that's it, – it, I love that. And that's that's why I enjoy having this conversation because it's it's the stuff that I nerd out about. Um, and, and those guys, obviously they need those people to be a part of their program. So, you know, moving on defensively, UCA recap, they did what they should do. 2.6 yards rushing per attempt. That's salty. Um, under 50% completions on the game, right? You know, people were worried a little bit maybe about some guys being loose, um, from the Troy game, but under 50% completion, two INTs. But the big thing that stands out for me, UCA was four of 18 on third down. That That's going to win ball games. period. Doesn't matter what the offensive does. If you can hold teams to four of 18 on third down and one of five on fourth down, you're going to win. Now, defensively, they're not always going to be that strong. But if you can be anywhere near that, you know, you have to feel good about it. And when you're looking at a game plan where, again, you're fairly simple and you're not showing all your cards yet, 
you have to feel good about that performance. And I don't care who you're playing. It doesn't mean that Ole Miss is going to be a top 10 defense. It doesn't mean, but it shows that that there was some growth from week one. The talent dropped off as far as who they were competing against. Um, but but it, it shows growth. Guys are getting more comfortable in the system. And, and I do think you're going to start seeing more and more out of what Ole Miss does um, defensively. So about Georgia Tech, um, you know, a lot of this is stuff that, that you've probably read about and seen people talk about on social media or on, on the on the Grove board, um, you know, all week long. But, you know, they're scoring 22 points a game. They're giving up 29. Um, the, the, what, 17, I think they gave up to Western Carolina. Probably not what they're proud about. Yeah. Um, and they started off strong against Clemson, and then Clemson started kind of finding some answers. But I'm just going to be completely honest with you, and this is kind of one of the big, you know, not-so-secret secrets in 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 college football that, that coaches everywhere know is, Clemson probably has one of the more simple offenses in college football, but they've had some of the best players to do it, and it's allowed them to be that way. And they've had almost for 12 years elite quarterback play. And when you have elite quarterback play and some elite guys to get it to and you're good up front, you can be simple, you know, and and, and that's kind of what they are. So they found their groove against Tech and obviously started pouring on some points. Um, but Tech was holding their own for a little bit uh, against Clemson. Um, they're averaging about 290 yards per game offensively. They're giving up about 384. I think Ole Miss has to feel good about those numbers um, in particular because Western Carolina had some success. Um, you know, it's a familiar offense for for Ole Miss and the defensive staff. Uh, Chip Long is the new offensive coordinator at Georgia Tech. He was the offensive coordinator at Tulane last year. Um, the Tulane offense at Ole Miss – had a good bit of success against, you know, they I mean, they dominated it. They, mm-hmm. Tulane, they were able to move the ball. They were able to do some things. Chip had a good game plan, but, but Ole Miss dominated that game. And a lot of it had to do with what went on on the offenses out of the ball for Ole Miss, but defensively they, they didn't play poorly at all against that offense. And, and there's a lot of similarity in what you're seeing tech do versus what Tulane did. And there are certain pieces. I think that he has at his disposal now that, that maybe fit what he wants to be a little more than, than maybe what he had at Tulane. Um, but but Chip Long is a guy, and I remember we talked about him last year leading into that Tulane game. He's he's had a good career. He's He's been successful at a lot of different stops. And he's bringing a real pro-style pro style mindset uh, to what Tech is trying to do offensively. Um, as far as keys to the game for Ole Miss, I think handling gaps on defense, it's it's always going to be the concern with the 3-2-6 is, the argument for running the the 3-2 that Ole Miss runs is you have the ability to fit gaps in kind of a unique manner. It's not always stagnant, and it, it can make it difficult sometimes on the offense to figure out where the extra hat is coming from. And so Ole Miss tries to win the math game, right? Um, but the downside of it is still it's a five-man box that you're having to now build the force and build an edge with your secondary players. And so handling those gaps when when Tech is going to put two and three tight ends on the field is going to be an important piece for, for Ole Miss. Um, and then limiting the quarterback in the run game. You know, I know um, Chase had a great post on, on the board today that I, I was reading during my lunch talking about um, about the quarterback position at Georgia Tech and, and looking at Jeff Sims and, and his, you know, what he's done in the passing game, but also what he's done in the run game. Um, you know, he's, he's, 
he's been a big part of their run game, whether it was by design or having to scramble or whatever, they're going to use his athleticism to their advantage. And so um, being able to limit the quarterback in the run game and handle those gaps defensively going to be important. So just kind of give you an example of, of, of what I mean by that. Um, I've got a screenshot from the very first offensive play, I believe in, in that Clemson game. And um, you know, one of the things that, Chip Long really likes to do is use multiple tight ends when he has them. And they spend a quite a bit of time with two tight ends and three tight ends sometimes on the field. Uh, one of those tight ends, is a, a young man that that I actually had a chance to coach when he was a young high school player. Um, and he's, he's really turned into a, a solid player for them. And he, he certainly gets his opportunities to play um, at the tight end position. Um, one of their offensive linemen, another young man, I had the opportunity to coach when, when he was young. Um, and, and so I'm familiar with some of the guys on, on the field for tech and, um, and, but Chip Long's going to use those pieces. And so here in this image, you have, they have a tight end on the right side of the formation quarterback is under center and next to the tight end on the right, they have another tight end lined up as a wing. Okay. So they have now presented, if you count to the right of the center, you have one, two, three, four, five gaps that you have to defend. If they run a gap scheme where they're going to pull a player from the back side and bring him strong, that now adds two additional gaps on that front side. So when you're Ole Miss and you talk about basing with five players traditionally in the box, now we know there's going to be a safety down. They always are going to present another, you know, somebody else there to try to gain numbers back. But you're talking about extra gaps that you have to defend. What Tech is going to turn around and do in this same formation where they've got tight end wing to the right, they have two receivers split to the left. Tailback is dotting the eye, so to speak. Tech takes on the same play, they take the slot receiver that was on the left and they motion him out into a a position about two yards outside of that wing. So in doing so now, they've essentially created more gaps. The other thing they've done now is they've presented you with three receivers to the strength of the formation with the tailback potentially being a fourth if he needed mm-hmm. to be, if the scheme called for it. So as a defense now, not only do you have to account for one, two, three, four, five, six gaps to your to the defense's left, you also have to account for three, potentially four receivers on that side of the field. Okay. Now, if I show you this clip right here, and I ask you, Neil, what are the odds that it's a run versus it's a pass? What what, what do you think you're going to say? What are most people going to think? Um, I think most people are going to think it's a run play, but for some reason, I have a suspicion this is a pass play. They're 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 going to try to flood a zone and create an opening. And I did not see this game. I ended up watching. This was a night that we binge watched Netflix and we watched a whole <laughs> lot of Alone. So I'm going to guess that this is designed to trick people into thinking, to trick Clemson into thinking it's a run play, but they're either going to throw it to the uh, the wing guy here, 18, or they're going to throw it to six out of the backfield. So one of the things that you'll see in trends in modern football is offense is getting tighter and tighter to only then get you wider once the, once the ball is snapped. Right. So with Tech, one thing I think you'll see as a fan watching the game on Saturday is when they use motion without a formal breakdown with me watching what I've been able to watch from the first two games, when they use motion, I end up seeing a lot of pass plays. Okay. It's a lot of play action. It's a lot of bootleg. 
They're trying to manipulate things. They feel like they're a little bit more static sometimes when they're trying to run the ball. So they've done all this. They've created all this extra gaps. They've made you potentially shift your coverage by motioning the guy. And what they're going to do now is they're going to fake a run to the left of the of the offense, and they are going to take the whole line and slide them that direction and leave one of those tight ends, if not both of those tight ends in protection. Okay. They take the only receiver that's left on the left side of the formation. He's going to run right at that safety, 10, 12 yards, and stop and curl back to the quarterback. Oh, I didn't see that coming, Pete. You have made the read as simple as you can possibly make it for the quarterback because all he has to do when he comes off of his fake is find that safety. So what's he looking at when he watches that safety? Take me through what he's thinking. Okay, so the guy that they brought in motion, number eight, it's it's one of their faster players, I believe. He is going to work a climb route. He is going to now push vertical off the motion, attack this safety, and then he is going to get deep on the post. Okay? Okay. So what you've done now is you have isolated this guy on this safety, the the receiver on the right that came in motion. You've got him one-on-one on the safety. Okay? Quarterback's going to read the safety on the left. If that safety turns and gets depth to help defend that post, you're counting on the play action, making the linebacker late to his drop, and you're going to throw that curl between the linebacker in front of the safety. It's going to be open, right. If that safety drives the curl route or squats on the curl route, you're trusting your receiver to cross face and win on the deep ball behind him. And now so you've, all you've now done you've, created, you've created a high-low. You've created okay. a flood, high-low read on that one safety, and you've done it with a little bit of window dressing, a little bit of max pro. And this is how they choose to start the game because they know that if they can they can get a big play, they're gonna they're gonna ignite their fans and they're gonna ignite their players and it's gonna cause some excitement. And and I think anytime you go into a game where you're the perceived underdog, this is the kind of thing a lot of coordinators are going to do if they like where they get the ball, right? So problem for Tech, safety drives the curl route, takes the post over the top, and the safety cuts it off and picks it off. Not the start they wanted for the game, but, but what they're trying to do is generate that excitement. So for Ole Miss, when you're getting formations like this, you have to figure out, I've got Five, six gaps to my left. I've still got my three gaps to my right defensively. How am I going to fit my bodies knowing that they are going to work some type of flood behind it at some point? They're going to layer routes so that if I get too aggressive in the run fit, they're going to try to replace the ball behind me. And so it's a lot of the same things you see going on with the Rams and with the 49ers right now. Um, you really see a lot of carryover from that type of system into what's going on in this Georgia Tech offense. It's fascinating stuff. It really is. So I, it, it, you know, I, 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 I love to study it. Again, you move on next drive. They're a little bit more backed up. So in this clip, what you'll see is you've got the five traditional offensive linemen. And so for those who are for those who are watching or listening at home, Georgia Tech in this clip that uh, that, that Pete's got is at its own 13-yard line against Clemson. Backed up on the 13-yard line. They're in the shotgun now. They're not under center like they were on the previous play. And they're in a two-tight end formation. But instead of having those tight ends on the ball, they're both backed up off the ball right outside the offensive tackles. 
So they still, on either side of the center, one, two, three, four run gaps. But they've also taken their receivers, and their receivers are in reduced splits and are probably only about two and a half to three yards outside of those tight ends. So in doing so, you essentially have now added, excuse me, bad penmanship, you've added a fifth gap in the run game. You have also added plenty of opportunity, and it's part of the reason that you're going to back these two defenders off the ball or these two tight ends off the ball because both of these guys are in position. They can block straight ahead. They can come back across the formation to block. They can come back across the formation into a route. They can also release vertical on a route. If they're on the line at tight end, they can still release vertical. They can still block straight ahead, but they're going to struggle to come back across the formation either in a route or in the run game. By backing them off the line, you do that. What they're going to do here is a a very simple RPO. We talk about Ole Miss RPOs, and we look at Ole Miss getting four wide, and those guys are out wide, and they've got the run game, and the quarterback is throwing the slant route for one of those outside receivers as he comes back in. Well, they've taken that same style of formation. They've compressed everybody in now within 10 yards of the ball. They've got two guys instead of being slot receivers or slot tight ends. So what they're going to do now is they're going to work run game to the right. The quarterback is in the shotgun. The tailback is on his left. So they're going to work a wide zone concept to the left. They can use the outside, excuse me, to the right of the offense. They can use the outside receiver. They can get him on a safety. They can block a corner. They can use him in the run game, whatever they choose to do. Where the RPO game comes into play is on the backside. They're going to take number zero, this receiver to the left, who, again, is less than five yards from the offensive tackle. He's going to push vertical for five yards, turn around, look at the quarterback. They're going to take number 18, one of these tight ends that's lined up as a little slot, and they're going to send him right to the flat. Now, what you can't see in this picture is that there is a corner outside, right? You have a safety that's over the top at about 12 yards, and then you've got the linebackers. So right here, if you're Clemson, you have to have enough players in the math to defend the run game. But what they're going to do now is they're going to give the quarterback this very simple read. He is probably looking at this linebacker or this linebacker. If this defender, let's say this outside linebacker to the left of the screen, if he turns and runs with the receiver that goes to the flat, you've gained a hat now in the run game, and he's either going to hand it off or he's going to throw this stick route right behind that linebacker. If this defender, that same linebacker that's on the line of scrimmage, if he attacks the run game, now – Again, where did, how does the math work out? We're down a hat in the run game now. If this backer attacks the run as well, then the safety that's 10 yards off the ball cannot defend the five-yard stick route because you're relying on the corner to defend the flat. So again, they're packing you in to create extra gap, but they're still making you defend things on the perimeter in their passing game. And they do a really nice job of that. Even though it hadn't shown up in production yet, Part of it is Sim still trying to figure out on this particular play, the stick actually ended up being covered because I think the corner squeezed it. 
and the tight end ended up being wide open in the flat and, and he didn't see it until when he saw it, it was too late. Um, but it's a concept that they came back to. This is Andy Reid. The Chiefs have made this very popular in the last few years, this particular scheme, and it's one that I think that you'll see on Saturday. Um, you know, the big thing I think defensively for Ole Miss is, is communicating. Um, you know, there's a lot of motion. The motion forces you to communicate. It can also clear the picture for the quarterback. It can help him identify what the coverage is going to be, where my one-on-one matchups are. And so making sure, we talked last week, we showed the play from the Troy game where Troy down on the goal line on their long touchdown pass, um, we're able to get into a little bunt set and cause some confusion for the Ole Miss defense. Um, Ole Miss has to clear those things up. They have to make sure they're on the same page with the communication. And then, you know, one thing with, with that, that Chip Long does a good job of, I went back and watched just a few clips of, of last year's two-lane game, is, is he found the match safety um in in Ole Miss's defense and so what what I mean by that I'm actually going to skip forward one and and show you and then I'll, I'll go back so one of the things that Ole Miss likes to do is play a it, it's rip Liz match is, is is the term that people use and so the rip and Liz is the defense basically setting where the strength is going to be so what they're going to do is they're going to play a version of man-to-man with these two defenders and if the corner if his receiver, he's good, he's playing what's called mod, typically. Mod, it means man on demand or man over depth. So if that receiver goes vertical over five yards, he is mine man to man. If he runs a negative route, so if he were to one-step slant, if he were to run a screen, then that corner is going to become a zone defender. So if you look at just a traditional smash concept, that everybody's run for decades where the outside receiver runs a hitch and the inside guy runs a corner route, what's going to happen there is this this corner, he's going to make a smash, smash, smash call where the safety is going to come off late to the hitch and he's going to get depth and go defend the corner route. If that corner does something over five yards or outside, so say this guy runs an out route, now he has to take him man-to-man and now the safety stays man-to-man on the slot receiver. Got it. Okay. What Chip Long does a nice job of, and what one of the ways that he attacked Ole Miss last year, was eliminating these two guys and isolating the next safety on the receiver. Okay. If you're going to stay in that coverage principle, what they did was they ran a post with the wheel. So what that does is because the outside receiver's over the the depth target, right? He's man on demand. He's at me. I got to take him. The corner becomes man to man on the outside receiver. When the slot receiver, the number two receiver, goes out, that strong safety that's lined up over him has to take him, and he becomes man to man. Well, what you've now done is put the middle of the field safety, who's going to play at a depth of about ten to twelve yards. He has similar rules. If that his receiver, the third receiver in a trips formation, goes under, whether it's inside or outside, he becomes an old-school cover three middle-of-the-field player. But if he gets attacked on demand, just like the other guys, he now becomes a man-to-man player. So the guy that you want free, roaming things, not playing man-to-man, has now been forced into man-to-man because they have canceled out the outside defenders 
and they are putting this guy now on an eight to 10 yard out route. And you've cleared the window with those two vertical routes and isolated an interior defensive coverage guy on one of your slot receivers. Okay. So those are the type of things that I think you'll see some of from, from uh, Georgia tech based on the way that, that they were, they attacked Ole Miss last year. Um, they they wanted to push the ball down the field last year. Ole Miss didn't give them a ton of opportunities to until later in the game. And they were able to take advantage. But there's going to be a lot of underneath routes um, where they're going to push guys deep to try to open up things underneath. Um, give you an example, and this is one that I drew up for, for those that are just listening. Um, what they did, and they used this against Clemson. This is a, a third and medium. This is a big-time Kyle Shanahan influence play. Okay where they line up in a trips formation. So to their left, they had the outside receiver was all the way out wide by the numbers. The second receiver was close to the hash, and the third receiver was two yards inside of him. So the two inside guys were almost stacked, the outside guys out wide. They motion the outside receiver down to essentially create a tight bunch that is flexed out and away. Mm-hmm. So again yep. – You've, you're asking the defense now to get into one of their bunch checks. Okay. So what they they're having, do, to, they're having to communicate quickly in that having way. to communicate quickly. Right. So when they snap this ball here, okay, what they're going to do, because there's a lot of ways you can play it. Some teams will play what's called point. They'll take this, this safety or linebacker. He will take the point man. So when you think of the three receivers in a triangle, the guy that's the upper tip of the triangle, He's man-to-man on him. So everywhere he goes, he's mine. When you do that, you typically play I.O., which means inside-outside, with the other two defenders, which means the corner would take the first guy that comes out. The safety would take the first guy that comes inside. Okay? The other thing you can do is you can play a true zone. So now you're playing like a cover four where he's got his divider, He's got his divider, and what I mean by that is I've literally divided the field into four equal sections, and now we have a flat defender with our underneath player. There's other ways you can play it. Those are two very basic ways, okay? So what they do here is they they help show and they help force a check. So they motion this receiver in, and now what they're going to do is they're going to layer their routes a little bit. The point man is going to release on a little five-yard drag route. If the defense is playing point where that linebacker or safety is man-to-man on him, he runs with him, okay? If they're not playing point, then that means he's some type of a zone player, all right, which means they're playing zone behind it. So the quarterback knows this is what we're trying to do against zone. So what they've done, they've motioned this outside receiver in, and they're going to push him vertical, and they're going to put him on a corner route or a bend route where he's attacking back to the sideline. The point man, like we talked about, is running his shallow route. And the third receiver, the most innermost guy in the bunch, is going to come behind the point man, and he's going to run this little slot option. Okay, He and the quarterback both are reading the flat defender. Think about it. If they're playing point where he's man-to-man and he chases that guy, right? this, this now cornerback, the corner is responsible for the first thing outside. So when the outside receiver goes vertical and outside, he's forced to take him. So right. now you've got a one-on-one. Now you've got a one-on-one with the safety. He's 10 yards off the, the ball. And the strong safety, right. Exactly. 
if they play zone and they play like a cover four where that corner bails out, well, now then you've got a one-on-one on the linebacker. And if they play some type of a cloud technique, which means the corner is the flat player now, you've created a high-low and put the safety in a bind where he's now having to get out and defend this corner route that's broken to the sidelines, okay? Where the beauty of this play comes in is in what the H is being taught. That H is being taught to read the flat defender, whether that is this linebacker or this corner, is they start to paint the picture of what they're doing coverage-wise. If that flat defender is going to sit outside and defend the flat, all he's going to do is hitch. Okay? He's going to go where he left. He's going to go where he left. Right. If that defender, if like if he's reading the corner and the corner bails, he's going to break out. And it's an easy throw and catch for the quarterback. Got it. Okay? Yep. So what, what ends up happening on this particular snap, they get into a, a, a zone look. He has to bail to defend here. He has to defend here. This defender gets – he expands to the flat because he's responsible for the flat. So this H, this slot receiver, is going to just run a little hitch and find the window in front of the safety and between the linebackers for an easy completion on third and six and move the chains. Just going to go where he evacuated and, and get the it, yards. That's yep. all it is. It, mm-hmm. it is very smart football. Yeah. And it's, again, it's a type of play. You can window dress it. You don't have to be in three by one to run this play. You don't have to be flexed out wide. You can be flexed in tight. So we showed you three ways of Ole Miss running the same route to get the tight end in the end zone last week. Georgia Tech can run the same option route and probably do it 10 different ways. They may not carry all 10 into one game plan, but it's in the book. And these are the type of things that Chip Long likes to do. He likes to manipulate and use these underneath routes and layer things behind them to try to create easy completions for the quarterback. Because all the quarterback has to see, and this is where the game has really changed lately. You know, the people used to talk about when quarterbacks get drafted to the NFL, oh, we can't read an NFL defense and the intricate passing systems. NFL teams now are doing more and more to say, put your eyes right here, he's going to give you the answer. And if he gives you the wrong answer, here's where you go. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's exactly what you have right here because this is a play that the 49ers are going to run five times a week. And it's trickled down. And there's high school teams that do it with a ton of success. And it's certainly something that Georgia Tech wants to do. Because to make it full circle, right? You, to make it, to take it full circle a little bit, you really don't want your quarterback in a lot of seven step drops having to do multiple, uh, multiple reads because he doesn't have time. Not, not if you can avoid it a thousand percent. And again, Sims, young quarterback, sophomore, played six games last year, I think. New system, right? Yeah. You want to be able to give him confidence in where his eyes are going to be and how he's supposed to react to things. Um, So, you know, to kind of wrap up, you know, ultimately I think Ole Miss's efficiency on offense is going to be the key to the season is is much to this game, right? It's can they continue to be efficient in the run game? Can they move the sticks on third down? And can they create and generate some of the explosive plays that we've seen them do in the past couple of seasons? Managing the rush, we talked already, right? I mean, you kind of set me up there, and I already had this made. But managing the rush and and, and being able to protect the passer, um, because one thing about Tech is 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 they kind of base out of a four man front. 
but when they go to an odd front, they are going to get more exotic with their pressures. There's going to be more movement, and they're going to try to really manipulate the front and the protection for Ole Miss. Um, and then ultimately, you have to win third down. You know, we talked about the success that the defense has had on third down. Um, the Ole Miss offense has been good, but they haven't been great on third down. Um, and and so the more success that they can find on third down on both sides of the ball, you know, it's 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 always going to equal more success throughout the course of the game. So, you know, those are some of the things that I think that the, the, the average fan or, or anybody for that matter can look to on Saturday. Um, I think when Georgia Tech has the ball, it's can we limit the – can Ole Miss limit the, the quarterback run game? Can they defend the extra gaps that Georgia Tech is going to present with tight ends? And then when you see motion, look for pass. Um, you know, offensively, Ole Miss is going to – Tech's going to try to keep things in front of them. They're not going to make it easy for Ole Miss to create a bunch of explosives down the field. And I do think that's one of the things with Clemson, and I kind of alluded to them being somewhat simple, is that they want to throw – Clemson wants to throw corner routes and post routes and vertical balls down the field, and so does Ole Miss and everybody else. But um, Clemson can lock in on those guys sometimes, and they're they're used to having elite players on the outside to do it too. Yeah. And so I, I think with Ole Miss, it's it's being able to know, hey, this is where I go with the ball when they're taking that away, is going to be you know the, probably the next phase for whichever quarterback is on the field for Ole Miss. Pretty good matchup for Ole Miss, all in all. You know that lineup. You know that uh, personnel pretty well over there. Yeah, I, I, I think so. You know, I mean, I, I've got I've got a lot of respect for. Um, for, I, I don't know Coach Collins. I, I've met him once, um, but I've got a lot of respect for a lot of guys on his staff. Uh, Brent Keys, the offensive line coach, associate head coach. Yeah. I've known Brent since he was at UCF. He spent some time with Saban at Alabama, um, and he's one that's not a head coach right now, but he falls that he could have been on that that same thing last week when he left UCF, um, and, and Nick scooped him up, and, and Brent's done a great job. I think a lot of him. Uh, David Turner came onto their staff this year. Uh, David Turner spent a lot of time. He's had a couple different stints at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that that fans of Ole Miss may recognize his name. He's been very productive coaching defensive line and linebackers in the SEC and around the country for a long time. He's produced some really good players. Um, you know, defensively, it's the same defensive coordinator, but I do think that they've added some experience to that side with guys like like David Turner. And um, you know, I, I I think that that Tech is a hard place. You know, uh, they're they're not Vanderbilt, but they deal with some of the same issues. Um, you know, I, I think that Collins has done an amazing job trying to craft the culture that that, that you know embrace the city and embrace it, Atlanta. For for whatever people think about it, it, Atlanta is a culture that Atlanta is proud of, and and whether you're outside of the perimeter or inside of the perimeter, maybe you view that culture a little differently or what you identify with about that culture is a little bit different. Um, but I think that um, that the job he's done to come and embrace that, he's gotten some good players on that roster. And when they inherited that room, I mean, when Brent Key, and I, I don't want to direct quote him on this, but I, you know, when they first got into that room for the first time at Tech and he's talking to the offensive line and, and you know how many of you kids played in in, in a spread offense in in high school, and, and it was like one out of the entire offensive line, you know. And and they were kids that a lot of them had played in wing T and triple option and single wing type offenses, and they were recruited to play that game. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden they're not. So you know I have a lot of respect for what the guys at Tech are doing. I, I think that you know they, they lost one of the best running backs in the country to Alabama. 
Um, I think Gibbs is showing some of that every Especially, week. I, yeah. Listen, I listen. I, I coached against him when he was in high school. Uh, they were in our region his junior and senior year, and I was the offensive coordinator, not the defensive guy, but we were the only defense to hold him under 100 yards all season. And um, I, I still don't know how we managed to do it, but the kid was incredible. And it was because our coaches had a great plan and our, our kids were unbelievable that night. Um, but that's that's what it takes to stop a special player. And so there's some good players on that roster um, and some players with some experience on that roster. So it's not going to be it's not going to be a cakewalk. But I, I do think that if Ole Miss can find consistency in the passing game um, and settle in defensively, I'm very curious to see how much Ole Miss unveils defensively uh, on Saturday and what what they show that's that's different on both sides of the ball. Look forward to uh, getting back with you next week, looking back at this game, look ahead to one final non-league game. Ole Miss entertains Tulsa next Saturday, 3 o'clock in Oxford, and then after that, I mean, it gets real. Kentucky, it gets real. Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Auburn, we get into the SEC play. Uh, LSU, Texas A&M, Alabama, all of that before there's even, I guess, as Texas A&M, then an open date, Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi State's going to get going to get real in a hurry for the Rebels. Gets real at walk-ons all the time. They put everything they've got into bringing you game day, a taste of Louisiana, dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine, po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp, fan favorites like juicy burgers and fresh salads. 70-plus TVs, 40-plus ice-cold beers on tap. So if you're not making the trip to Atlanta, stop in Ridgeland or Oxford and uh, check out Ole Miss and Georgia Tech on the TVs there at walk-ons. You can watch uh, Auburn and Penn State, Vanderbilt, Northern Illinois, a lot of other games you can keep an eye on when the Rebels and Yellow Jackets are on commercial break. At walk-ons, walkons.com or the walk-ons app. For Pete Deweese, I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview. We'll be back, like I said, next week to take a look at the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Until then, for Pete, I'm Neil. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.